Toby, what's up, dude? Yeah, what's up, everyone? How much? I haven't I seen you in forever. I down today. That was fun. Oh, no. Jeez. <laughs> this is the community of halts at the moment. <laughs> We're yeah. just all getting halted on. It resumed higher, so I actually made money on the shitty trade. Wow. There we go. Which APR? So, so I finished trading after that. You can't get luckier than that, I don't think. It's only worth it if you work for it. It's only worth it if you work for it. I won't stop till they hear me now. I won't stop till I wear the crown. APRE, I heard people calling that out. It was horrible. Well, <laughs> it, it didn't really didn't really jump up much, and I just kept trying to catch it on the way down. And then got stuck in the halt and then resumed higher. And yo, that yeah. volume is like non-existent. Does not look pretty. My best trade was on um Microsoft. 50 shares made a hundred bucks. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Is it S? I forgot the ticker for it. MC. Microsoft is MSFT. Ah. Uh, I was wondering where I went wrong because I was like, FT, I'm pretty sure is right. <laughs> Bro, what the hell happened with Microsoft? Why are they up? Yeah, what's Bill up to this time? Oh, that's a new yearly. That's a new all-time high. It's crazy to see stocks at all-time highs. It just kind of... I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what's going on with the macro world? While this, is, this is what's going on, guys. You want to hear? <laughs> yeah. Literally, if you hear any fucking thing in the world that's bad about the market, immediately just shut the fuck up and go buy the S&P 500. That is I all I'm going to say. Like, just go long. <laughs> just go long. Every single, every tweet you see, every time you see someone saying something bad, it's another just... 100 shares, just go along. Just go along, yeah. keep doing it. Every single time you see a bad tweet, just keep doing it. <laughs> it's too. It's completely pointless to try to short anything. It's just not. I didn't trade whenever COVID happened, but supposedly a lot of people are saying that it feels like the COVID, you know how the COVID drop was like a month and then it just grinded up every day for the rest of the next year. That's what they're saying. It feels just like that where every single dip gets bought no matter what. So it's true. I'm actually always surprised when I log up in the morning and I'm kind of expecting the SPY to have that overnight gap down that just never comes. Never <laughs> just, happens. Going, Dude, I'll be in another high. I'm just riding it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you need to do. I closed the last of my swing trades out on Friday. I just felt like everything was so ex extended, but you know, I'm not <laughs> trying to get the perfect top or bottom. I made some nice gains on the on the on the grind up, but uh it's <clears> impressive. <throat> really impressive. I have probably about 10,000 of the 40,000 in my Roth allocated towards long trades in like NVIDIA, Apple, Google, uh, TQQQ. There's it's there's such small positions. I just kind of like glance at them every day. And um, like, especially with NVIDIA, I'm in from like 300 average, yeah. but only like eight shares. So um I'm just watching it. I was taking a look yesterday at the daily chart and trying to figure out like, should I be taking some profit or? <laughs> oh, it's going yeah, to keep going. I'm, I'm not taking any 
anything yet. Um, I'm looking at like 440 daily level and see if it wants to test that. Um, but otherwise, like I don't see a reason to sell. Spy just keeps going higher. The markets are going higher. NVIDIA is like on crack. <laughs> NVIDIA got 470 today at the high. Yeah. Yeah, the other day was like 480 something. Maybe, so maybe first take profit is at uh 500. Maybe, yeah. At least like a quarter of my position or something. I don't know. Honestly, I genuinely would just keep buying it forever. I know. Like that's the other thing. I'm like, I'm also kind of like, why would, just I, on it right now, why would I trim my position? Only sell Dude, it the if there's a good article that comes out. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and then buy it in two days when it rebounds. <laughs> Bro, the people yes. that make the most money in the market are the people that don't give a shit about the money they invested in the stock market. And they just yeah, wake up one sure. day and they're like, oh shit, it's been 20 years and I have $10 million. I didn't even know. Those are the people that make the, the most money. Actually, to to yeah, that to confirm that, there is an article I read a few years back, and it was like this cleaning lady who uh retired. Uh, like late, like as in her 80s, she just didn't want to retire. She kind of liked what she did. She was really happy with her career and her profession, her community, her team. And every paycheck, she like invested like 40 or 50% of it into the SPY. And she was a multi-millionaire cleaning lady, just, just kept on doing her job. And then she basically donated all of it at one point. But yeah, I mean, yeah. if you just kind of close your oh. eyes, just DCA for 50 yep. years or whatever crazy also works it almost feels like someone's talking right now how's 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 everyone i don't know how's everyone's weeks what's what's the what's the latest gist on the street what do you guys all do week week is going okay so far yesterday was a really strong green day for me um which came really unexpectedly um i traded like eight or nine tickers and i had good hits on like six or seven of them nothing big just like 500 on average probably on all of them across about six of them and then on the other couple i was down like 300 150 um there's a lot of tickers yeah it was kind of but things just kind of kept popping up and i would yeah. just get like one or two decent trades on them and move on that's what it is um, I, yeah. yeah i started out uh pretty solidly right i think i was like down 600 or so um hcti nailed me early in the morning um and then i made some back on it and then there was something else i don't even remember um but it's everything has been just like trash for the past like week or so I've, i think our I've last really... good day was wednesday last week that was like still yeah when still when edtx and ggaa got t12 i think that really just killed everything yeah that's never good never breeds confidence for the other tickers yeah i'm looking at icad right now icad yeah, it's just a midday action. I mean, for how bad the open was, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more middays coming up. I mean, this one's trending higher too. Looks actually mm -hmm. somewhat okay. But look at, I mean, even with ICAD, look at those big flushes it has every time it, you know, breaks a new high. And that kind of feels like the general vibe today. Um, I felt oh. like it was really risky today. Uh, I know, Tom, you were saying in the Discord, you you had some pretty nasty 
situations after the open. How's how's that going? Um, well, I never really got green today. Actually, I was just trading a couple of small trades on MICS pre-market. That kind of just small loss after small loss in the chop. Yeah. In the range right before uh right under the pre-market high and then at the open i was looking for that curl up break the pre-market high i was holding the the range um at the open so that's always a good sign that i was gonna at least test the highs again um it broke out right to 249 i got a really nice breakout trade but instead of selling my position i added because i was looking for that continuation through 250 uh and then i just completely just just the rug got pulled right from underneath me there and i'd lost yeah. like about three hundred dollars um so that put me pretty much to my max loss on the day i never really was able to get any solid trades today but you know it is what it is so um you know one step forward one step back one step back the past week or so so since wednesday my big five hundred dollar loss um kind of kind of been shaking me up a little bit but uh you know it'll it'll turn around again for sure, the momentum. It will. It, it always does. Yeah. I got, as long as I got hit on MICS earlier on that same flush too. Not for a big loss, but like a twenty cent loss on. Uh, I had already sold like half my position, but yeah, yeah. The, the twenty twenty cent loss is actually pretty big on a two dollar stock, but if it's yeah. small stocks, then yeah, that then was you're ridiculous. good. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, you do a really good job at the at managing your downside, though. Like uh, your your red yeah. days are even your big red days are, are pretty small, which is great, amazing. <laughs> I feel like my P and Ls are just like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, before um, like the first half of the year, I was doing really well. Like my largest red day was only hundred and fifty bucks, and my green days were like three to four hundred. My bigger green days, so I was like, yeah, I remember two to three x my green days is my red days. And then, you know, just that one day last week on Wednesday, I was just kind of like fed up because I felt like I was just stuck in the same spot for like the past year. And so like, you know, you know what, I'm just going to just going to jump in big size HCTI. I just jump in on the halt down and it opens <laughs> up like 75 cents or lower and just completely whacked $500. I couldn't even like sell because of the of the halt. Uh, so that was pretty much kind of shook up my my confidence a little bit that's why i jumped over to dash because i probably could have seen that avoided that with the you know seeing the luld on the level yeah. two and seeing it come up and kind of hold myself back from hitting the buy button um so that could have changed it um changed that so i went ahead and invested in uh dos and so far i've been doing pretty well however what i'm finding is with the dos platform i I want to trade more. So I've been actually trading more than more frequently and actually with bigger size than I did on TUS. So that's kind of also influencing my, my bigger red days or my bigger red trades the past week or so, but that's I've been pretty much going sideways. How, how, why do you um, think that is? Is it because you're paying for the platform or, or just, no, it's just because I think it, I think it trades a lot nicer, a lot smoother. And so it makes me like, wow, like I want, I think I can, I think I can like really, you know, take some more scalps to make more trades, but, or makes, take some more scalps to make some more money, but it doesn't really work like that. But uh, it's really nice, you know, that, that feel of just more of like a, 
a seamless entry and exit than what you would get in TOS, which kind of can be a little bit more choppy or a little bit slower. Do you yeah. think your engines are better? Yeah, I think I think the fills, I don't know how it works on the back end, but I totally feel that I am getting the, the perfect entries. As soon as I hit buy, it's like I get that price that's showing on the ask. Um, and then in think or swim, if I hit buy on the price on the ask, sometimes it takes that extra second after a breakout, it could jump that market order up 10 cents and then you're, yeah, you're on a high a entry yeah. and it can completely screw you there. <clears throat> I've noticed the same thing. It seems like with DOS, I'm much more likely to get like the right entry or a better entry or even a good entry compared with sending orders through just thinkorswim. Yeah. But most important part is, you know, when the market is sideways or not really giving much opportunity, um, it's important to not get into a big drawdown you gotta stay yeah. near your all-time highs in your account so then you're not yeah. making losses when the hot market comes back so i always remind myself of that and it's okay to go sideways um yeah. as long as you're not giving back too much yeah it's ideal it's ideal to be going sideways while everything else is pulling back because then yeah. like you're not starting from like one step forward two or three steps back it's one step forward like half a step back um, my session with warrior last Thursday, I was talking a little bit about that, which was mainly just like, you have two main types of losses in the stock market. You have your avoidable losses and you have your unavoidable losses and you're, you're always going to have the unavoidable losses and you try to figure out how to have them less or have them in less magnitude. Um, but those avoidable losses are like key in figuring out how to, especially as a beginner, stop doing like one forward, two or three steps back and get to that better ratio of like one to one or one to the half a step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. What I was doing uh, today, for example, is I was just, I traded to like about eight, eight fifteen, and then I was like, mm, "It's getting pretty ugly out there right now, pre-market." And usually from like eight to nine, I'll give back like half of my profits or something that I made from seven to eight. I really don't know what it is because uh, a lot of things start consolidating. The first front side's over, blah blah blah. And I was just like, "I'm gonna close my TOS and then come back at the open." I came back at the open, made like another like twenty percent, and then I just called it. Um, so I think for me, what works, uh, based on what Danny said, you know, is with the avoidable losses is trying to reduce sometimes looking at the screen because mm -hmm. the whole reason I got into the accident on Friday was I already told myself, man, there's nothing here. I'm probably going to call it. And then for some reason, you know, there was, there was actually a decent setup, but it was like a really high risk play. You know, it was a ticker. I usually don't trade price range. I don't trade. It was like, super extended. Maybe the chart was actually okay in terms of like the one minute, but you know, I was just kind of getting bored. It was almost a boredom trade. The only thing I did with that was actually kind of smart was just I used tiny size, um, even though it was a pretty okay setup, just because I was like, ah, you know, like I don't want to push it too hard. Like if this if that was like a Tuesday on a good ticker, I probably would have went like three X that size. So I'm happy about that. But yeah, reducing size on like when you probably shouldn't be trading or you're not fully dialed in and then for me sometimes just not looking at the charts at all 
because yeah, you, it's like being in a desert and you start seeing, you know, McDonald's in the horizon or something, you know? Like, yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I think um, it's almost like the stock market is like designed to like for the price action to get to that point, to kind of start reeling you in and be curious before it, it totally finally, is. you know, goes the other direction that you think it was going in. So you finally hit that buy button at like mm-hmm. peak curiosity or peak, you think it's going to be a great setup and then it just dumps. <laughs> yeah. Well, literally fish, bro. <laughs> I, um, I was, I was joking about that today. Cause on like MICS and on ICAD, the big ICAD flush at 1148 this morning, or like any of the MICS flushes, I was like, bears are getting sloppy. Like they're not even giving me a time enough to be interested to go long before they slam it. It's a recipe for a squeeze. Maybe the next few days, who knows? That's what I'm thinking. Dude, the Russell yeah. is just flying up every single day. Yeah, I was impressed when I saw the Russell, actually. It's uh, very strong. It's insane. Talk to TOS, Alex, about your shares. Yeah, I was uh, telling Colby about it earlier and Tom, um, but basically I was, uh, I called TOS. I don't know why I didn't do this, do this earlier. It happened on Friday, so I should have done it earlier, but I kind of just accepted my fate. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but in reality, the price, I'll actually just show it. I think that might be the easiest. Um, so we're share screen. Um, EDTX. Let's just pull it up. EDTX. So I, what happened was I actually thought I entered here originally. So I thought it was a three minutes, but uh, I entered on this one and it pulled back. And I actually really like this setup because the five minute was over the former five minute. This was a nice pullback. I was thinking we were going to go for at least an attempt to break the former high, um, which over here kind of looks like it was, and it was a shooting star, which is pretty nasty. But I really thought that we were going to like, it, it didn't happen yet. Like we were going to get kind of like that a bit of a fake out. So I was like, yeah, hey, you know, it's a good little potential pop. Like, mind you, if you look at the daily, this is typically something I would never touch. Um, but okay, that's a different kind of different topic. Uh, anywho, I got a kind of high entry because I didn't think we were going to break this pullback. I was really expecting like a micro pullback here one. And then I was going to sell into the pop. Anyway, it, it kind of dipped below my entry, popped back up. And I was trying to get out and the price, I had a limit order somewhere in this area. The price went back above my limit order. And then like literally a few seconds, I wish I recorded it. It's like the one time I didn't record it. A few seconds later, I got eight shares executed and the prices, mind you, it's over my limit order. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And then from just one second to next, it just dri- drops down and halts. And then a couple hours later, I put in this stop order. So like you could see here, I put this at 1240 PM. So a couple hours after this incident. Um, again, luckily it's not like a massive share size. You know, there's a good chance it's going to go way down um, back to 20 or so. So I might lose like three, 4,000 on this one, but it's not so bad. I mean, last week I made like three, no, last week. Oh yeah. Last week was a $2,000 week. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of gave back maybe two weeks that were like two okay weeks, which isn't yeah. Again, it's not the end of the world. So yeah, what I did was I wrote TOS uh, or I called them and they said they can't really do anything for me except, you know, write technical team and we'll see what they decide. So they said at best they might 
reduce my cost basis. So if they think maybe their platform didn't perform as like it should have, then they might make it, I don't know, they just might make it 60 bucks was my entry or something like that. That's usually how it works. I've had it, I've been in this situation probably like a dozen times with TOS. And like <laughs> half the time I get some sort of price correction. The other half the time they just kind of say tough luck. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of the the cost of using a, a free platform. I mean, most of the time yeah. it's good, but sometimes it's not. Any platform though, like some, one of the warrior guys messaged me through Instagram yesterday, super frustrated. He had just taken a $5,000 loss on, um, I think it was HCTI and he's using Lightspeed and um, he had taken the trade. It went for him. He was in profit. He tried to sell. It gave him an error message that he couldn't sell because of whatever route that he was using, which um, it was using like a smart route or something that was trying to sell through NASDAQ, something like that. Um, and he couldn't get out of it. And it like flushed against him. And eventually he was able to cut it for like a $5,000 loss, which is a massive loss for him. Um, and he was in touch with them. And finally, end of the day update that he gave me was they they covered about half of the loss for him but when when it executed they executed it through nasdaq like he was trying to sell through anyways so like uh, you know all all brokers are garbage um it doesn't really matter like there's going to be problems with all of them it's just like which one which problems do you want to choose and deal with yeah that's very true I can only imagine how technical it looks on their end too. So it's not even like I'm yeah. super against them. I'm sure it's it's quite a quite a mess on their back end. I can only imagine what it looks like. I've but, I've uh, gotten into some discussions with, you know, friendly discussions with their tech people and they'll send me a screenshot of what the bid and ask and and like market depth looked like on their side when I'm trying to argue like how did you even fill me here when I punched it and I have it on video that the ask was here when I hit it and they were like this is what our ask was showing. And it's just like this matrix of stuff. That, that is, that's true, actually. Like their information is slightly different than what we see. Yeah. Like, I, I had the same situation where I record, I almost always record myself. And I had exactly yeah. one of those situations where um, I was trying to send them video because I was like, what you're telling me is just simply not true. And yeah. then this was actually one of the times I had a really bad experience. They were like, we don't want to see the video. Or like they were getting like really mad at me for like having proof. Uh, sometimes I've had amazing support where I'm like, wow, these guys are amazing, but yeah, it kind of comes down. Who do you talk to? And I don't know, sometimes they just start getting really nasty, but that's when you just call back, <laughs> yeah. hang up yeah. and call back. Hope I've done that. Get Kevin again. I've done that a lot. <laughs> and then you start wondering like, at what point is it worthwhile? Like if like I've spent sometimes like, I think my longest was like a three or four hour, like TOS phone tag team. <laughs> Yeah. And I was just like, is this even worth it at this point? Like, even if I make a few hundred bucks back, like I, I like it was during trading hours and like I could have made maybe 2000. So there was a huge opportunity cost there, but mm -hmm. I was like really kind of annoyed. And then I couldn't trade anymore at that point anyway. Cause I was like, my, my, I was just like red state of mind, you know? Yeah. Frustrating stuff. Bro. The crazy part about all these brokers too, is the B booking stuff. Like Danny brought this up before, but how all these brokers just fucking sell all of our data to these companies who just do the inverse of us. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard, man. Well, it is and weird, so huh? what I heard, um, the, so, I, and I remembered, I, I think I had brought this up weeks ago. Um, yeah. The 
where I heard it from was this guy, Anton Creel, who used to be with like Goldman Sachs or something like that. And now he does um, these talks all around places. Um, and that's what he was saying was that brokers put a trader in one of two buckets, which is normally wins, normally loses. And based on which bucket you're in, they will take a trade with you or against you when you take a trade, which, you know, it's it's so smart. Why wouldn't they do that? It's just extra money for them because they have all the data. Yeah, it's really smart. I mean, if what 90% or more of traders lose, then why not trade against them? That's yeah. Crazy. So funny. Maybe that's why it's so hard to get profitable because they think they, they, they trade against you. So there's more selling pressure when you buy. <laughs> it could be it could be it's kind of like uh the reverse like star power like when ross enters a trade and all of a sudden you know the, the, yeah. the ticker shoots up out of nowhere i like sometimes i wonder like wow if if that following didn't buy would have that happened i don't know who knows but i guess you could say the reverse about brokers trading against you i don't know i feel like if you overthink that you'll just you'll go oh, into yeah. like a crazy conspiracy mode so i wouldn't yeah. even bother but I'm I'm sure there is something to that. Oh, there's a lot to it, yeah. <laughs> there's more than something. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Bro, just think about the stock market. Like, what is what are we essentially trying to do? We're essentially trying to predict a direction, and there's a fight for the shares of that direction, right? Uh -huh. And the reason why like people get in early and then everyone follows them, like you want to be the first person right about an idea. And these companies, they're doing the same shit that we're doing. So it's just a competition amongst them to us as much as it is us to each other, you know? So it's like, they're going to do what makes them the most money. And usually that means taking away our money and they're <laughs> going to find really interesting ways to do that. And that's just the fucking capitalism world. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can it's do true. about it. There's sometimes I notice where I'm, I'm kind of in a state of mind where I feel like I'm the one who's being reactive and being a bit like sheepish where there's a breakout and I get excited and I buy it. And I just like, there's no flow. And then there's days where I'm like, I feel like I'm predicting all these moves and I'm really nailing it. And you just kind of have to understand at what point, like, where are you in? And usually each day has like four transitions between knowing kind of being good at anticipating and then kind of, you know, chasing everything. And uh, whenever I'm in one of those flow states is really when I want to double down. And then, like I said, in the beginning of this video, like if I start noticing these tickers aren't for me, I'm not in the flow state, usually like closing TOS and just being like, okay, I'll come back for the open or something like that for me is, is the way to go, especially in the summer or like a lull market. But Toby, how's how's things for you? A little quiet in that corner. <laughs> things are good. I had a long weekend, so I'm just recovering basically. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's how it is, huh? Like Thursday, you'll start feeling better. Probably. <clears throat> Couldn't even go to the gym the last two days because been too hungover. Oh shit. <laughs> you gotta take but some of those. What's My it uncle. called, Danny, that you take, the greens? Uh, yeah, what is it? I don't even know. I, I've, <laughs> I've gone through, I've gone through a couple now. I've tried the uh, green vibrance that Ross drinks and um, that one, you know, it's so hard to know if it's doing anything. That one doesn't taste very good. It just tastes very earthy. Now I'm using the thorn supplements 
green powder and it tastes a little bit better, but still it's hard to know if it's actually like doing anything. Uh, so. Is that how you have those 5k days? Yeah, mm -hmm. I actually, I, I set up a line on my desk. <laughs> just, I just green powder. Straight to the brain. <laughs> Meanwhile, Alex is over there like, wait, oh the oxalates. God. Yeah, dude. Uh, I've, I've been eating freaking steak and ground beef. Uh, but no, I, I still eat tons of stuff. I just really try to remove certain things from my diet that I thought were good. And I don't know, maybe it's a placebo effect, but I'm like on week number four or five now. And I feel great. My carpal tunnel, like, I haven't worn my compression glove since I stopped eating salad. We're about to get demonetized. No, we're about to get uh, canceled. So that's really funny. No, there's some, there's a lot of validity to that shit. It's really just to each yeah. its own, you know. My yeah. little brother, he's like super into carnivore. He's been doing it for like a long time, and he like swears by it. If he eats any gluten, because in the U.S. we have glycosate in our gluten a lot, a lot in our wheat, and it's just like super terrible chemical that lasts in your body forever and destroys all your cells and does all this bad shit to you. And he's oh. like, um, <laughs> he he can physically tell like when he eats bad food that it like makes him way more drained. The next day he doesn't feel as good. He doesn't sleep as well. All that kind of stuff. So. My mom's sensitive to those things. It was really funny, like back in like the early 2000s when I don't know, I feel like these topics weren't so crazy or maybe they were. I just wasn't aware of it. But um, she was like, we cannot go to Subway. Like there's something in that bread. Every time she ate, it, it's like something she mm -hmm. really feel weird. And then it came uh, out like, a couple of years later. There's like all these things in Subway bread that is just and, I don't know, it's not even it legal turned out that Jerry was. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Jerry. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to watch out. That's actually one of the nice things about usually being in Europe sometimes is uh, like the, mm -hmm. there's a lot more regulation around yeah. those things. Like you could go into a supermarket in Europe and be like fairly OK without reading ingredient labels. But when you're in the U.S., you got to be an ingredient label. To <clears throat> it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, Dude, it's only a matter of time before they just learn how to change the name of some shit into something else. Like I go I went to buy like fucking like plantain chips the other day because i don't want to eat like potato chips and i look at the ingredients and it's ingredients and it's like the fourth one is like titanium dioxide mm -hmm. what the fuck That's is titanium dioxide and what is it doing yeah, Dude, it's like, iron man let's go <laughs> no, seriously it's like are you kidding me they're giving you precious metals that you should pay extra for that. Dude, yeah. That's what they're going to do. Then Next time I go to buy those chips, it's going to say precious metals instead of titanium dioxide. Now with yeah. real flakes of titanium. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if I was a kid, that, that sounds pretty good. No titanium. <laughs> yeah. That's like expensive. <laughs> I remember we did this um, like experiment in, I don't know if it was like middle school or high school or whatever, but you take a cereal box and you put a magnet in and you just kind of like roll it around inside or even on the outside of the bag and you take it out and it's covered in iron shavings because they supplement iron in cereals. Like what the fuck? Wow, yeah. I guess that I guess that makes sense. My um, just, yeah. or no, United States is dystopian reality. Gives it a nice crunch. Yeah, <laughs> my brother put me on a little bit of a. It feels like again like a conspiracy theory, but um, Kellogg's, you know the uh, the brand Kellogg's. So the founder was 
there's like a big movement going on back then of like, how do you create more workers that are more like relaxed and obedient and not sexually um, prowess. And they're just kind of like, you know, what's the like most dull version of a worker you can get. And mm -hmm. that's a big thing he was trying to incorporate in his Kellogg's company. And even if you go to like Wikipedia, you can find a bunch of quotes from him, like how he was trying to make like a really good food to make you more docile. And like, that's where all the cereal stuff was coming from, which what? I haven't fully looked into it myself. I have seen some of these quotes and it's kind of mind blowing. I almost want to make a video of it, but I'm like, at one point I'm going to turn into like a conspiracy <laughs> YouTube channel. So I'm like, uh, is that the road I want to go down? But yeah, just, I mean, cool. The, the more you, you learn about, um, kind of like our diet and how it evolved over the years, specifically starting into like the 1850s and like uh, till present day, there was just a massive shift in our diet, which kind of makes sense. You know, industrialization, you have just change in society on so many fronts. And, uh, and also there was a big change in medicine too. So I, I talked about this in my last video, but it was like a change from like, how can you be healthy throughout your life to, so like preventative medication, to how can we like measure some effect of something? So like the, the success of a drug, the uh, success of a surgery. So that was kind of the focus of the medical industry around like the, I think it was like the thirties or something. It took a huge turn. So um, yeah, I don't know. The health industry is a, is a really interesting topic to dive into, but again, it's a black hole. And I feel like you can, you can almost prove any point. Like you could probably find the best videos on why being vegan is great. And then also the best videos on why carnivore is the answer. So it's, man, it's a tough topic, but it's interesting for sure. Well, what, what are your guys' experiences that's, with that? I was just going to say, that's the tough thing about, you know, everyone says like, Oh, every, all the knowledge is easy of it, easily available online. You can do all, you can do all this research and whatnot, but, you know, now the problem is, is any of it, how do you can, how can you verify what's true? Yeah, you could try it for yourself. And that's where I guess it comes down to like what works for you. But um, it's, it's hard to pinpoint the objective truth of anything now, because everything mm -hmm. is so, you know, yeah, like you said, veganism is healthy or carnivore isn't healthy. Then you see people saying carnivore is healthy with these studies. And then veganism is not healthy or vegetarian is not healthy. So it's just like, at, at a certain point, like you can't like dig too far deep into the rabbit hole. Like, I guess it's each is to each is their own. And uh, you just gotta, I guess, find the right diet for you, but it's hard to like find, um, you know, objective truth that you can kind of just sweep across that. This is more healthy uh, just because of the information. Yeah, I totally agree. One thing I've actually really enjoyed doing was listening to a lot of podcasts of let's say someone like there was this uh, lady who was 82 and she was carnivore basically her whole life. She was a rancher, grew up in a rancher family. She still uh, tends to her cows. And she's like, that's basically all we've eaten my whole life. And I was like, dang. And this woman was like really healthy and upbeat, but just kind of watching podcasts of like, I don't know, try to find the longest vegan you can find and then read the comments. It's kind of interesting. You'll start noticing some trends. And I feel like those are much more helpful videos than like somebody's opinion in 10 minutes, kind of like the video I just made. I mean, to kind of like stab myself a little bit here, but um, I really like those discussions because 
one, if it's just one person talking, it's just like a one point of view, but they might've totally got it wrong. But if it's like a discussion, kind of like where we're having right now about trading is you can learn so much from someone else's opinions and you'll fire back like, oh, no, I don't believe that. So I found the podcasts in that kind of format have been the most helpful to me in this discussion or mm-hmm. yeah, in the health discussion and, and with anything, I mean, even with trading, um, that's, I really do like the trading topics where there's multiple traders talking at once and they're kind of like firing ideas off each other. Yeah, I think it's super helpful just to have different perspectives on things. It's really just like anything in the world, you got to find your own path and that's going to work for you and it's going to sound super stupid to other people and that's just the way it's going to be forever. (laughs) Some people are going to be like, you're a genius, it's amazing and they're going to try it and it's going to be the worst thing ever to them. And some people are going to be like, you're disgusting and terrible and they're going to try it. And it's going to be the best thing ever for them. It's like, you have no idea. So the thing is also, you got to worry about is like with the whole, um, you know, trying to find, you know, the facts is that, you know, you get on this, like someone pitches an idea into like the society, you know, like quote unquote, like one thing that's been really like blowing up was like the whole red pill thing. This is getting a little off of topic, but like the whole red, red pill thing. And then you have a bunch of YouTubers just repeating that same topic over and over and over and millions and millions of videos on the same topic saying that this is, you know, this is the way to be, this is the way to conduct yourself. And it may, it appears more true than it actually is. And so you know, a lot of people get sucked into that rabbit hole and into those ideologies that limit their their growth and limit their ability to see what's actually true for them. So you can kind of use that same idea to, um, you know, apply that to trading, you know, following one person and adopting their exact mindset can be limiting. Same thing with politics or health. Um, so that's one thing you got to be careful of as well. Me and my little brother, we're always talking about this kind of stuff because we just have our dumb little podcast and we just talk shit on things we don't understand. And uh, one of the main things we always bring up is like the smartest people in the world are the people who can change their mind like in a second because mm-hmm. they're wrong. And like it's such yeah. a human tendency to defend your beliefs and defend everything because you just feel like it's you. Right. Like you're a carnivore, like you fucking eat the carnivore thing. This is Colby's thing. This is like part of me. It's like, no, that's just like an idea of a way to eat. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't mean anything to anybody. And, you know, the smartest people are the ones they just like they'll have a deeply held belief. And someone brings up a point that just completely shatters that. And they're like, cool, I will now like consider that other opinion or whatever. It's it's so hard to do. I like when yeah. I first learned, let's say about oxalates, for example, and, and plant poisons, I, I could not accept it. I just did not want to accept it because I was like my whole life, I was told plants were healthy. It was like something I believed was so true that I've, n- I've never questioned it. So to me, like not eating a salad because it's unhealthy, potentially, uh, just like, it's still something I, I've kind of accepted, but I still deep inside, I'm like, is it true? Like, you know, um, mm. I just can tell you that I feel great, but at the same time, it's, it's weird giving up beliefs, like Colby's saying, like to just drop them. It's tough. Uh, but it's, it's good to do. And it's good to question those things you hold so true. 
Um, I mean, and that like with stock trading too, I mean, there's so many things that we believe yeah. uh, like, oh, I'm just not going to trade a ticker that's doing this or over $30, or I'm not going to trade a large cap because that's not what I do. But, you know, maybe today you should trade that large cap, but yeah. And, and just going off that, the thing about, the thing about that is, you know, with trading, it's almost always the minority is correct. The minority amount of people is correct. And so you have to have that confidence to back that up. You not only change your mind, but you also have to put on a position against the crowd, yep. which is also hard to do. Very hard, <laughs> especially with large be. caps and indexes and stuff. Cause it's like, dude, look at the stock market. Like, where are we right now? We're like 3% away from all time fucking highs after a year of every analyst, every human being on the entire planet screaming, this is the worst thing since the Great Depression. And we're 3% away from all-time highs. I yeah. mean, if that's not yeah. a testament to like, when everyone is expecting something to be a certain way, especially in the stock market, that thing, the, the likelihood of that happening is so low. Like, it's like horse racing. If every single person is betting on the exact same horse, you're going to win what, like a dollar if they win. Yeah. It's like- you know, you have to be a contrarian in some way to make money in the market for sure. It's just, yeah, it's so hard to do that. Like right yeah. now, every day, like you literally could just buy the open and just sell at the end of day and you're green every day on the S&P 500 at least. Buy at the open, that's your that's your stop. The open price is your stop. Sell at the end of the day. It's literally a broken slot machine. Like why would anyone not do that? Yet here I am every day waiting for a good high right waiting for a break right. of the trend <clears throat> waiting for the 90 and the 21 to cross oh my god the cross <laughs> it's time to go shorter then i just get just slowly grinded out for the next half an hour and it's like dude how many times do i have to see the fucking slot machine be broken for me to just trade it i don't know i'm just every day i'm on twitter waiting for for colby's tweets to come out with my popcorn <laughs> <laughs> today i quote tweeted some guy that said I have 260 sell signals on the S&P 500 and the Apple and Spy. And we broke out today and I just like went to his quote to you and I said, eh, what was that exactly? Because we just made a new high again on the year. So I hope your sell signal works, but. Yeah, it just doesn't keep going up. Or it doesn't stop going up. Yeah. Every day. Forever. I'm checking some tickers, seeing if I miss anything. Is anyone trading right now? I feel like it's so hot. So yeah, hard. I've, been, I've been watching ICAD. Yeah. That's, I made a bit on it, gave back what I made. It's just choppy. Yeah. It's also a bit of a grinder. It's like the choppy grind yeah. where you you typically want to be buying your breakouts or breakouts, but then they don't continue. And this is, this is tough price action. It yeah. looks... Like, oh yeah, it just keeps going up. Just, you know, buy it. But it's, uh, I find these tickers to be the hardest ones to trade. Yeah. Very challenging. I, I heard, I heard from a lot of people in the community today, a big, a big problem about, they were saying is the, the low volume today was attributed to the TD cash accounts that were not settling their funds from Friday. So they wow. have limited funds that could, you know, on one hand, I think that could influence the volume on one on, you know, some stocks, at least to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know sure. what you guys think about that. I mean, they can. One of the most used brokers, right? And then a lot yeah. of these people that use these retail brokers are trading these small caps, right? They're not trading that Apple and stuff. Uh, so especially on a, a cash account. Yeah. yeah. Those, those are probably small caps traders who 
um, just like can't participate. Yeah. How I many cash people... accounts do you think are there are on TD? Oh my God. Fuck ton. I don't know. I started as a cash account. Yeah, same. Uh, Dude, the the influence in small caps with like the group think is crazy bro like mm -hmm. we used to talk about this with ross because we would always see ross buy something and then just immediately it would go up like 25 percent, and we'd be like how is that even possible and then if you just think about it like like if 500 people are buying a stock a ticker right now and they're literally using only one thousand dollar position size that's five hundred thousand dollars in dollar volume that's going to be put into that stock in that moment five hundred thousand and yeah. you guys like Danny is trying to make like two grand on a trade. Like you're just taking like a tiny little piece of those 500 people yeah. that have a thousand dollars to their name. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's crazy <laughs> to think about that kind of shit with small caps. It's such oh, a small, he likes that portion. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you look at the float, the float is so small too. Just, you can have a bunch of just, you know, year one noobs that are yep. buying up a stock, pumping it up, like we saw with GameStop as well. I mean, it's similar, similar thing, maybe on a larger scale, but yep. um, yeah, that's where maybe a lot of the profits for experienced traders are coming from in the in the small cap world is from the cash accounts. Dude, like I was, I was, I saw a tweet the other day, and they were talking about like the advantages and disadvantages of trading like small caps related to the like the indexes like futures and stuff like that and it's like okay well what are the benefits of futures you can kind of have like volatility every day that's pretty similar right like that's that's one thing what are the benefits of small caps you can have volatility that's like a million times stronger than the indexes um the hard part about futures though is your competition is literally like hedge funds massive banks like you're fighting against literally the like largest shareholders in the world of money and then in small caps you're fighting against like timmy you know and it's just like timmy, timmy with a hundred bucks and it's like well, me from down the street yeah <laughs> timmy like, was how do you uh, make it like it's cool because the competition is just so much lower in small caps until you get to that level where it's like you're consistent then that you enter the new phase of competition where you got to be the people who are ma already making a thousand bucks a day you got to be those guys. And then you got to be the people who are making already five grand a day and you just keep going up from there. But and I feel like that's why today was choppy because we were competing with other very experienced traders since yep. the whole TD platform was down. So maybe that could have attributed to more choppier price action. Do you guys use Arval at all? I pay attention to it. I don't use it as an indicator or anything like that, but it, like it's on the scanners and when I'm looking at moves, I'm looking at relative volume of moves. Yeah. Not the actual number, but yeah, it looks like. Cause I, I mean, I've been trying to look at it more for the indexes cause that definitely would play a big factor on an index. Cause obviously if a small cap is yeah. in play, it's going to have like at least a two R vol or something like that because mm -hmm. well, if anyone doesn't know, R vol is just taking like you set a certain period, like 20 days. What is the average volume in the last 20 days? How much volume are we trading in relation to that number? And I was just looking at the indexes and I don't know if this is related to small caps as well. I'm sure it is, but the days where the all vault, the R vault is like 1.5 to two, which is a lot for an index. The moves are just so much cleaner. Like the lower lows will always find resistance at the previous lower low. And it's just like a stair step down. And I was like, 
you know, it's just interesting because I've been looking at my trading recently and it's like, sometimes I'll look for 20 point moves or 10 point moves, which is a big trade on an index, but the RVOL is like 0.3. And it's like, it's just way harder to trade because I'm still trading. I'm trading against way less people. And the more people that are trading these stocks, obviously the more edge that we get because we're experienced and most people aren't, but I don't know. It was just something I looked at the other day and I was thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And well, the more people that trade is the, you know, that say that 20% of people that are profitable, there's the bigger that group of, you know, 20%, you know, 20% of a hundred is 20, 20% of thousands, 200. So, I mean, yep. the more, more experienced traders have a better chance of jumping in that 20% because it's a bigger bucket. Yep. If you have that RVOL that's higher, uh, just to kind of, kind of, uh, go off on what you're saying. But uh, yeah, uh, Ross for the small caps, Ross likes to use RVOL as a good indicator. But, you know, what I found is like, I don't really look at it because I already assume like if there's a pre-market gap on it, mm-hmm. it has already, you know, 20 times relative volume or yep. 30 yeah, times. Usually, like usually at least. Yeah. What I found is almost a really reliable, I don't know if you want to call it an indicator is like, Every time I try to trade a ticker that's not really over 40% pre-market, it's a real dud. Like, it's just like uh, a lot of fake outs. It's kind of grindy. And then, I don't know, I always have bad luck. I have, I think I have a negative uh, risk reward on those. I don't have a great statistic on it, but I almost always avoid tickers until they're over 40%. Um, so it's kind of like my gap indicator, I guess you could say. But I'm talking small caps. You know, if it's, a, if it's coin and it's up 10%, yeah. That goes totally out the window because uh, that's a huge move for coin. We should uh, track that, you know, um, every pre-market gap that's up 40%, see how much higher it goes from there. Yeah. Is it like, is it a 50% chance that it's going to go to 50% or hundred percent on the day? It could be, that could be a good statistic to track. Cause then you can filter out, you know, if you have a hotter day, you can filter out the ones that are least likely to continue. Yeah. I totally agree. Trip. That's a good point. Maybe I should try to figure out how to track that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Why? Like if there's like, let's say a 70% ticker, a 50% ticker, and then like a 35% ticker, I usually don't take notes on anything below 40%. If I'm like on my, I like to take notes every day on like, okay, it's a biotech, it's up X amount. It's like, these are the, uh, the float. This is the market cap and it has a catalyst. And what is it? Um, just, I don't want to overthink it, but I do like to kind of see that specifically, not so much about the ticker itself, but often you'll start noticing trends about like sympathy plays and stuff like that. So, okay, this is the same one as that yesterday, best gapper, which had, I don't know, Alzheimer's catalyst. And this one has an Alzheimer's catalyst. People are probably going to be jumping on this one. So for trends, I like to look for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, all we're doing is just, extreme pattern recognition Mm -hmm. that's true it's literally all we're doing when when i had my um well it wasn't even had i love uh like learning about ai since i don't know like seven years ago i remember when i was on my road trip seven years ago literally i had like two ai books i read i read through them uh, and then i started coding uh some stuff some machine learning things and it's really literally like you just have nodes and you're just pushing information through the node 
And throughout it, it can recognize, you know, maybe if it's recognizing a face and it's trying to figure out if it's cat or dog, you know, it starts with like little angles and that angle will eventually turn into an ear and then certain ears look more like a cat. And it's literally like all we're just constantly pushing more data through our heads. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I always feel like we're just like uh, just AIs being trained. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious that we like take a computer that needs like if then statements and we are like, we will make humans out of this. And it's like kind of works because humans do the same shit. We just have some bad thing happen to us or some kind of event where we learn and then you have to adjust and do it again the next time. It's hilarious. Yeah. And I, we're all biased that, on the data we're trained but on. <laughs> yeah. The thing that humans do that, that AI doesn't is we create narratives, right? So like we'll have a whole like this is what it's supposed to be always whereas an ai is an objective reality it's like well like even today i was thinking i was like yeah you'd hope but (laughs) even today when i was walking to my computer i was like trying to think of myself because i saw this guy tweet he was like saying something where when you go to your desk like don't even think of yourself as you like you are now a trader and what a trader does is they objectively look at the information in front of them and they make decisions based off of that data they're not making decisions based off of Oh, we're oversold. Oh, we're overbought. Yeah. Oh, we're, you know, you're just looking at data. Is it a higher, high, higher, low? We're in an uptrend. You're going to look for long opportunities where prior resistance turned into support period. That's it. And it's like the part where we screw up is that any strategy in the world can work, but the individual behind it that implements that strategy is the reason why most of them don't work because we create those narratives and we make a false reality whenever the objective data is right there in front of our face and we just omit half of it, you know? Yeah. A lot of it's due to like ego and identity. Yep. Uh, I confirm. I also fall into my own traps. (laughs) (laughs) Like we were talking about AI, like how is there a reality where AI doesn't completely just like just destroy the stock market and make every dollar that's ever meant to be made? It might. I'm sure a lot of people are working on that. Yeah, the the new long-term capital management is out there. You know the next one, so it's. uh, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I mean there's already AI in the stock market, of course, right? Because there's you got the uh, automated automated uh, system systematic trading, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just coding, right? I'm not. I'm not really too well versed in automated trading, but um, you know that's already a form of AI and. You know, clearly they still make mistakes. Clearly, you know, there's still there's still that 20% chance that it's going to be or whatever that statistic is a profitable trading. It's still that that statistic that applies, even if it's automated AI or not. That's actually yeah. a great point, um, because I work with two firms that were trying to code a algorithm and I was kind of doing a little bit of consulting with them. And they would spend so much energy. I think one team had like seven coders, they had funding and, you know, they have this algorithm that would work for like a week and they would just give back all its profits, you know? And it was literally like a, like a new trader. (laughs) It just makes the same mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's good. I was just going to say, yeah, that's like, since it's always changing, you know, more people that, more, let's say, AI bots that create that strategy um, is going to make that strategy less uh, profitable or not profitable. And so they're going to continue to make mistakes and then it's going to shift 
to a new strategy and then they would may not even know how to adapt to that. You know, an AI bot may not know how to adapt to that or may take a month of data to yeah. adapt to that. Yeah, I was looking at stuff and like, I honestly don't know anything about this stuff, but I see people who make algos. And to me, at least from my outside perspective, it always seems like the algo is still just a straight up strategy that like any human being would take, right? Like we're just whatever they have certain variables and they try to optimize that throughout time to make it like uh, make the most money whenever it's good, lose the least amount when it's bad, but that's still like straight up just a human making that thing. And the reason why a lot of them might, well, not a lot of them. The reason why the ones that work work is because they're taking the human part out where like, Oh, you only have three out of four variables. Oh, I'll take it with some size, you know, and you just lose <laughs> you do that like a hundred times, you know, and then the algo would have, would not have even done that. Cause the algo doesn't give a shit about making money. It just cares about enacting its variables. Right. But the thing is like, I'd never heard of anyone using AI to like actually create the algorithm in the first place. Cause we think of algos as like a sort of AI, but at least from what I know, most of them are still just straight up made by human beings that can make totally wrong decisions anyways. So like, what mm -hmm. if an AI could go in and be like, Oh, I can see that this is just a dumb example. Like the amount of time it takes for the orders to flow into the Chicago exchange is like 0 0.001 milliseconds of time. I can front run those orders. If I like use a dark pool to buy those shares first or something like that, which a human being obviously would never, we could never do that. I'm sure there are people that have done that through algos before learned, like they figured it out on their own and then coded that into an algo. But yeah, I just, it just seems like if an AI can really take all this data and really start like breaking it down and making it make sense to people like us, how is that not going to like fundamentally change the market? Yeah. What, what I learned with the, a lot of these AI companies that try to code an algorithm is uh, the hardest part about creating a trading bot is there's so much noise. So we're really good at filtering the noise. Like when I'm looking at my screen, there's just tons of stuff going on and you can't feed all this noise to an AI bot. Uh, so usually what people will do is they'll feed it the order book only and the transactions going through. So it has to either come up with some sort of idea based on that, like you were talking about, uh, which is tough because then you're basically dealing with high frequency trading at that point and you need to be able to get in and out really quickly. And sometimes there's a lot of fees involved or you do something like moving averages, right? And then you're like, okay, if it's above the moving average, then do this. And then that's kind of is just like, you're telling them what to do again. I, it would be really cool to see like, I don't know if an AI bot scraped all of, let's say my trades or someone else's trades or just everyone's trades and they came up with its own strategy. It would be really cool to see that. I think we're, I don't know how far off we are from that, but I think that's going to be very difficult again because of the noise. And it's really hard for a bot to filter through, through that data. It just doesn't know where to begin. That's a good point. I, I like the opinion. idea. I like the idea way more of, it telling the human discretionary trader when to stop than trying to create a strategy to trade on its own. Because like, if you could have an AI bot basically go through the last three years of your trades and they're like, look, dude, if you even place one order after 9.39, you have like an 85% chance of losing. And like, you might Those know my that. <laughs> yeah, like you might know that. You might know that inherently, but it's so hard to not do that. Yeah. It's so hard to just let it go. Yeah. But if someone's telling you that, 
And it's like a straight up statistical number from the data you gave it from your own yeah. actions and decisions. It's like not creating something that you may can't argue against it. Yeah, yeah. It'd be awesome to know that stuff. I would love it. It just turns your, your trading station off. You're like, Oh, it's gone. <laughs> it my friend, exactly, yeah. <laughs> my friend Manoli, who I've talked about a few times was yeah. literally texting me today about exactly that, like trying to figure <laughs> out how to code something to do exactly that. That's what he's been working on lately. It's a really yeah. fun project, but I've what I've learned is for many people, it's a black hole of time and energy. And yeah. sometimes when people ask me like, Alex, you're, you're a coder. Like, why don't you code something and not trade? <laughs> I'm like, why don't you just code something? <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, it's so much more complicated than that. Like I know people that dedicated two, three years to this and they spend so much time and energy, not just their own, and like they just couldn't get a bot to work or you could become a trader and you know within a couple hours a day working you have like a, a real revenue stream uh, and income and you know that'll probably top top out at one point but for me i think that's still a better uh path to go down unless you really have some like stupid money and you're it's like a pet project but it is one of those things that just, it's so fun to work on and tinker on. I just know it's a real black hole of time, but uh, it's a great way to learn different skills and I'm not advising against it. It's just, it's hard to do right. You spend more time maintaining the code than you ever will actually ever trading yourself is what I've learned. That's crazy. Uh, I've seen a couple of people that are trying to make the same thing that you're talking about on Trade Journal, Alex. Yeah. Like the MIC, like my investing club, all those guys are trying to make a bot that also tells you basically your expected value on the at any moment throughout the day. Yeah, that is pretty cool, actually. I, I like that idea. Yeah, there's there's tons of fun stuff to do for with and that's the that's the best part about the finance uh, industry, right? You just you just have so much like real data to work with. So like there's so much you can do, but mm -hmm. that's also like the hardest part because there is so much data. So, and so, I mean, I think about your trading, like what are your best setups, right? For me, it's always like the most obvious ones. It's like the micro pullback when there's a clear front side, big volume. It, it's not like there's, you know, I probably make 80% of my money from like those few setups and everything else. is just kind of like noise that makes me lose money or lose my focus or X, Y, Z. So, you know, you just gotta stay focused on the easy stuff, double down yeah. on that when you can. Right now, that's just like a totally manual process. Yeah. Which is difficult. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to why I was turning off my TOS at one point, because I knew there's a good chance that next hour, there's only going to be noise. Maybe I'm going to miss something, mm -hmm. but I don't know. After you've been doing it as long as, you know, we've been doing a lot of us here, you kind of have like, you have this sixth sense. And sometimes like more times than not, it's, it's so true. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, well, I don't wake up, but like, I'll be, I'll look at the markets, pre-market. I'm like, mm, I don't think we're going to get a gap or till like eight or, or nine. And, you know, it's, it's impossible to predict these things, but um, usually there's, there's so many, there's, there's so many things you're looking at. And then something in your brain is, is telling you that because you've seen it so many times and it's really hard sometimes to explain to, to other people. Uh, I think it's just the price action, the price action that you're seeing. They're not yeah. holding their highs or that the, the dips are very extreme pulling back in in one minute it pulls back the it retraces the entire move that's what we saw on mics all day today yeah and um what was it B, bpts as well 
Yeah. Like the hard part for me is the strategies that are just break even. Cause it's okay. like, how do you like reversals, right? <laughs> My number one, like most loved and hated thing to do because the risk reward is awesome. Like you get a reversal trade. I'm going to make like five times the amount of money I was risking, mm-hmm. but I only win it like 25% of the time. So it's like, I'll literally take 10 trades in a week that are reversals and I'll win on two of them and I'll be break even on the week on that strategy. And it's like, how do I avoid all of those eight trades that I took that didn't make me any money and only nail the last two? Maybe it's literally fucking impossible to do that because you have to enter reversals whenever uncertainty is at its peak level. And whenever uncertainty is at its peak level, that's the best entry. And that's how you get the 5R anyway. But it's also the time where you don't know if it's going to reverse or not. So it's like, I don't Reversals know. Reversals are so tough. It's a, it's a strategy that will eat you alive, I've, I've found. And I don't know, I, I try to avoid trading backside because it's a mind game. Yeah. But just really quickly, what Tom was saying about B, BPTS, this is literally a perfect example of a ticker like you typically just want to walk away from. Um, and you, you see my alert up here, if it's going to break over 380, because I just was not interested in the ticker that just constantly flushes. It's chopping around volume. Uh, pre-market was pretty low. Like it's not even over a hundred thousand really, uh, for basically our lead gapper. Um, so yeah, this is, you know, this is something that, you know, once you get really desperate and you're kind of spending too much time looking at charts, you're going to start trading this nonsense and you're going to be like, Oh, look, it's a breakout. We're going to make a move over VWAP, but it's like, it's like, bro, this is a backside. We're below VWAP. There's trending down. Volume is shit. You know, it's like, this is what I'm talking about with like, you start making things up in your mind, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's actually pretty obvious. Like this is a pretty, pretty ugly thing. Uh, making justifications yeah. on why to keep trading it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah I, look, every time it popped up, it's straight down. Every single yeah. pop. Every pop. Yeah, Tom, this was a great example. PWM, PWM really, really frustrated me this morning because it, it did exactly that. I would get a good entry. It would pop up. I would be in profit. I couldn't take profit because there was like no volume and then the bid would just drop out and it would flush like 50 cents and I'd have to book a loss. Yeah. It would just do it over and over. Yeah, I and I guess that's what I was saying is that's just the sign. That's the red flag that should be going off in your head before you really start putting on size. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Really good observation. Yeah. I was actually just wondering, when did I actually trade this one? Um, and look at, pull up I, uh, MICS as well. It's the same pattern pre-market and that they open. Oh my God. Yeah. This one's so hectic. Like I was just trying to draw some lines thinking, is, is it like an ascending wedge or something, but nothing really came out of this uh, conglomerate of lines I was drawing. Although you got to say it kind of like came up and pop touched this and flushed down. Um, yeah. And also I almost never draw, draw too many trend lines. So the fact that I'm drawing trend lines kind of means I'm bored and I'm trying to find something <laughs> like it's just mm-hmm. that alone. <laughs> it's, trend lines is not really my thing, but so yeah, that, boom, there's a, that's a clear indicator right there that I didn't even think about earlier. That's funny, but yeah, this is a, yeah, this is, I traded at the open and it was just so hectic. And then I don't know, I think there was some opportunities, but it feels like the risk reward was negative. Like if you got green, you're like, it kind of felt lucky. And if you did two more trades, you probably would have gave it right back again. That's how I started feeling about MICS. And then I was like, no more trading with this one for me. It was, was decent. Pretty pretty much how my day went. What? It was pretty good at pre-market, I thought. 
Yeah, you did you do good this pre-market, Toby? Uh yeah, I was up like two or three hundred on it. Okay. When it broke when it broke that uh about two twenty it was pretty clean pattern until the top of that and then it dropped off. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I, this is this is when my computer was closed, so I didn't actually trade this. But when I came back, I was like, mm, this was actually right here, like around 835 or so in this area, micro pullback. Like that's one of my classic setups, you know, like if I could just get one or two of those a day, I usually have like a almost a 1K day just because that one setup is so good. Um, yeah, I, I traded all the way up that pretty much just taking the pops, knowing that it was going to pull back because there was a lot of sell pressure. Wait until yeah. it looked like it was gone a little further than I thought it would, and then hop right back in and then wrote it back up. Did it like four or five times all the way to the top. Yeah, really good. You nailed that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's opportunity, and, but I think like Tom, um, I think Danny was saying, and there's like, you know, you, you get your two, three trades on a ticker and then <laughs> run for the woods on that one. Well, but but I there are a lot back. of tickers. I gave it all back on that flush. <laughs> oh, no. oh, man. Dang, so you and Tom. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, my, I'm the same of it. I, I still had 100 left over, but <laughs> the portion of it. Yeah. I'm doing so the hard. same thing today. I've been solidly red and then so close to green and then back to solidly red and then a little bit more progress again. It's so like if I had just avoided some of the worst trades in the meantime, I would be green by now. Mm -hmm. I was trading CVNA. It was not terrible. Really? You were trading that one? What was yeah. your, uh, yeah, tell us about what was your approach on it? Um, Just go I along, just, man. Go along. Just Take playing the flags, basically. I just bought low, sell high. That's it. <laughs> yeah, take some shares, sell it if it goes up. Just buy it, cross your fingers, and hope it goes over your line and sell. All, right. I, uh, all the flag, there's like three, three, three good flag patterns up to the to the high of day. No, you're actually absolutely right. Uh, this one hatched some pretty decent moves. You just, I, I've noticed when I start trading large caps, I have to kind of allow everything like 20 more attempts basically or at least five or 10 more attempts for it to happen that's what i notice i do the best when i trade large caps so like i don't know if this was a small cap i'd be looking for like a quick pullback and then continuation here it took let's say several minutes as you just kind of chill a bit more lean back in your seat a bit more i guess you can say <laughs> The I was quite nice though. I did start out a little bit. I was a little bit frustrated trading uh, BPTS. I I was in it for a couple of good trades, and never took profit, and just kept adding into my adding into it. Yeah, and then just would have to cut it at break even or small losses. And I two or three times I had over four hundred bucks on it, mm. and didn't capture a dollar of profit on it. <laughs> That's so frustrating. I kept I was like, thinking I'm going to go to four dollars, so I was going to keep adding to four dollars. Yeah. Yep. Everything's hard. <laughs> Always just got the thousand miles stare. 
Dude, I'm ready. I'm just waiting for the day where my first trade's a winner, second trade's a winner, third trade's a winner, fourth trade's a winner. I'm going to just fucking be like, you know how like we always talk about how you're just supposed to make the most amount of money whenever it's good? I'm just going all fucking in and I'm just going to make $20 million in one day and then I'm just going to fuck off forever. I'm never touching the stock market again in my life. <laughs> I'll maybe buy all the zero it. DTE put. Zero DTE no, put. you won't. You're going to work <laughs> so hard to get profitable. Once you get profitable, you're going to be like, you're going to be feeling great. Yeah, we'll see. You're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. Dude, I'll be ninety fucking. I'll be ninety nine thousand years old before I'm fucking profitable. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, no. <laughs> Someone needs to. I just. I know what I need to do. Okay, I'm gonna hire a guy. We're losing right? him, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna hire a guy. He's gonna stand right behind me with a fucking huge bat, and then whenever I am ready to do a reversal, he just knocks me the fuck out, and then I wake up the next morning. I'll wake up the next morning and I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? That's Shit. what I need. It'd be like, did I win? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, dude, you're knocked the fuck out. That's what you're doing. You're trying to revert, trying to trade a reversal. Sleepy time. <laughs> Good night. Oh man. All right. Well, on that note, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Motivation for the rest of the week. Let's go. That's what we got called before. Yeah. Oh, I. I Quick question for all you guys. Uh, I'm trying to figure out a new laptop. What's the most important mm. thing? Is it the GPU? Depends. Is it the RAM? I, I don't know. What, it don't totally even... depends. Um, are you running external monitors? How many programs are you running? Um, that stuff is like graphics card and RAM. A good graphics card is really important. I heard like GP, uh, uh, CPU is like, it's like at one point it's like a truck with too many, too much horsepower. Like you're never going to use all of them and they just kind of become a waste. Like I have 64 gigabytes Ram and it's a total nonsense. Like <laughs> this thing mm -hmm. is, my laptop is so hot. It'll like burn a hole through the table and shut off itself. Cause it's, it's just like, it's a powerhouse, but it does, it just creates too much energy. Um, but I have a really good graphics card and that's what saved me because exactly what Danny said, like I have three external monitors and a lot mm -hmm. of laptops did not allow that to even happen. Yeah. So my old laptop could only have one external, it just, it would tap out of that. So make sure to look ahead of time at how many externals it can handle. Yeah. That's, okay. that's GPU yeah. and that's graphics card stuff. Most laptops these days are like pretty solid. Um, especially if you're looking at kind of like flagship or even even like second tier from any of the major companies they're all pretty good um i i use a lenovo legion um slim 7 but they also have like the the 7 pro or the slim 7 pro something like that um if i were buying a new laptop i would I would like for it to have an ethernet port on it. Cause right now I just use a dongle that does ethernet to USB-C, which works fine, but like, it's another thing that you have to carry with you. Um, most PC stuff is like not make or break because on Macs everything is soldered on, but like a PC I've replaced my Wi-Fi chip. Uh, you can replace your Wi-Fi chip to like a faster Wi-Fi chip. So true. you can replace your RAM to faster RAM or more RAM. You can replace your SSD from um, like an actual drive to literally um, just sticks, which are faster. So like, it's not, 
the end of the world. That's something to look into too, is like upgradeability. Mm-hmm. Are you going Windows or, or Mac? I'm going, I want to go full Windows because I'm tired of running all this crap through my, I have Mac now and it's horrible training mm-hmm. on a Mac. Yeah. To be honest, it's. Yeah, yeah, I can add to that. I started with Program, the Mac. program's Intel based and I don't have an Intel chip in this Mac. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go less than 16 gigabytes RAM, though. No. I tried trading yeah. with four gigabytes. Oh, no, no. Well, there, you need a minimum. You definitely need a minimum. So what's the sweet spot? 32? I could Probably. not. I couldn't 16, trade. 16, 32. I, I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would go minimum 16. Um, and I feel like I don't that. really you can do that have for that like many charts. And then I want to keep the Mac so I can run it as a separate computer to probably run more screens and... That's exactly what I do. And do Discord and stuff. So then I just, Mm -hmm. all the the machine would be doing is only TOS. And then then I'll probably get DOS too, because I can't put DOS on this this Mac. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what I did. I have my Windows laptop here that I trade off of. And I run um, just one chat room screen. And then my MacBook Pro right over here which has like all my other scanners and I run my external monitor off of it. But I also have another instance of Thinkorswim open on it. Just like, you know, in case of emergency and that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. smart. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, so I, I was thinking I'd probably for that. Uh, keep going, Tom. No, I was just going to say, that's a great idea. That having a separate computer with it open. So yeah. You're using so much. Just in uh, case. Processing. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Just in case something's going on, I can. Yeah. Just yeah, just in case they're wired to a different internet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You could, yeah. Um, Yes, I I guess I would have like the most maxed out computer. I just need a fairly basic thirty-two gig RAM, decent mm -hmm. graphics card, and is that all I need? Pretty much, I think. Pretty much. I keep hearing this legion. Lenovo Legion that was sent in the Discord a lot when I was asking in the Discord. I like mine a lot. It's solid. Um, The one that I have, and actually something that you might want to consider is the one that I have has an AMD CPU and an AMD GPU. And I've had less issues with this computer than I have with other Windows computers that have like NVIDIA and Intel, um, like an NVIDIA CPU and an Intel GPU. Because just like Apple, how they now manufacture their CPU and graphics card together, it just works better. Like you don't run into all kinds of driver issues and weird issues and blue screen of death nearly (laughs) as much when everything is made by the same company made to like actually work well together. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would I would prefer that actually if I'm if I were going to look at another computer, I would probably try to make sure that that was the case. What's your budget? Whatever. What's your budget? Uh, yeah, anything? <laughs> Whatever it takes. You can, you, you can write it off. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's a business expense. You, it is a business expense, yeah. Like, I count. I counted mine on my expenses that I count against my, my trading business, my trading profits. And, you know, obviously, it's not, like, free at that point, but it does help. You write it um, off. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think you're like three three K is plenty for. Oh, plenty! Yeah, I got That's this. How much for, I spent? 
I got this open box at Best Buy for like fourteen hundred. Yeah, you're you're able but to yeah. write off more than uh, the standard deduction with trading. Standard deduction. Standard deduction is like thirteen thousand, isn't it? You're yeah. So I was just asking. You're able to write off more than the standard deduction to make it worth it with trading. Isn't that isn't that how it works? You get the standard deduction versus itemized. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, it doesn't matter. No, I don't spend more than 13,000. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter either way. Like you're either going to take the standard deduction, which is 13,000, which is like, you'd really have to be buying a lot of trading gear to hit yeah. that or yeah. So, so you, you, you can only write it off if you're itemizing it. So I guess it really doesn't matter. Right. Unless you guess. Yeah. yeah Appreciate it too. But yeah, that's, that's the other thing is you can depreciate any of your assets, any of the things that you own, like over time, any, any of the things you use for business over time, you can calculate depreciation that helps with taxes too. Do you make money or do you pay taxes if you make no money? <laughs> In America, yes. <laughs> Just for you, Colby, probably. <laughs> Shit, dude. Yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> Toby, I, I tagged you in a post uh, or on the Discord under hardware. I have a video that just goes over my layout. And oh, yeah. just one thing I do like about my laptop, the electronics, which is kind of like this no brand laptop in a way, is a lot of the main cables like my Ethernet cable and uh, HDMI and uh, USB-C, Thunderbolt, all this stuff is in the back. So mm -hmm. like I can go like this next to my laptop, even though I have uh, three additional monitors, external uh, camera, mouse, all this stuff, microphone. I don't have anything next to me. It's really nice because it all goes into the back of the laptop, which. Oh, yeah, yeah that's definitely a nice to have. Yeah, it's a nice to have. It's definitely not a need to have by any chance. I think uh, what Danny was saying with the graphics card is definitely the most important. I think a Thunderbolt is pretty nice if you can find one um or any sort of really strong USB-C. I don't think I would ever not buy a laptop or buy a laptop without that now. So most of them have Thunderbolt now these days, don't they? Yeah, most I of them. So. so I I bought my last rig, so this laptop three years ago, and it was like you would still find a lot of random crap, <laughs> like you know, old stuff. So I think it's changed quite a bit. And uh I wish I wish Windows had better battery life, but I almost yeah. don't. I wouldn't even look at battery life because you can almost guarantee it's going to be like actually 30 minutes. Like when, <laughs> it's when trash. I, it's when so I unplug bad. this laptop. Yeah. And I go to the living room. I got like 20 minutes left. It's insanely bad, this laptop. So I wouldn't even consider looking at the battery life because it's not almost it's not even really relevant. Just assume it's it's zero. Yeah, I would be I would have it plugged in anyways. To have it yeah, exactly. I use my laptop basically as a portable desktop. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, the only solution with batteries is you go Mac. I swear. I don't know. Windows yeah, batteries is just nonsense. They're horrible. <laughs> no matter how expensive a laptop. But yeah, I guess uh, we could, any more thoughts we could throw on the discord if anything comes to mind, but nothing's yeah. really popping in my mind at the moment. I appreciate that. You guys. I'm just trying to make some money back on ICAD. I was up like 300 on it. Now I'm down 500 because it's just oh, no. BS. We, I don't know if you're allowed to trade during these podcasts anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, what was funny was after the last one, I think it was probably last Tuesday or whatever, and I, I maybe was red. I immediately went like nicely green right after. Right after, yeah. Yeah, you nail it after. That happened the time before as well. You you also had a nice move. Yeah, well, it was just because like, finally things started moving well. Yeah, the daily on ICAD actually looks pretty insane. Yeah. Huh? Like, look at that freaking daily. Popping over some major resistance zones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this the writing's on the wall for me. Um, but good luck if you're going to keep trading this one or any other ticker. I know you trade till extended hours. <laughs> so We'll see. It's easier for me in California. It's like I'll go to the gym, I'll get back at like 1230 or whatever, and then... Um, you know, I've got some time. <laughs> yeah, huh? I heard that. I heard. Oh it yeah, too. it's me. <laughs> but no, I, I feel you, Danny. Like you, you have a different time zone. And when I was in Utah for a couple months, I started trading late day and noon and all sorts of stuff, just because it's like you know you have breakfast and then you're kind of like, oh, let's check the markets. Right. You know? And then it's in Europe, I'd be like getting ready for bed. So it's like just two two different ideas. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Oh, we just had another spammer come into Discord. Guys, uh, if anyone has like a knows how to handle spammers in Discord, I mean, there's been a flood lately. It's crazy. They're just so annoying. I'll have to figure it out. I, I know some tricks, but I think I need to dedicate like two hours to actually implement them. Uh, I haven't really had a lot we're Because we're heating up. Yeah. True. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> They just like send it out every time the Russell's green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they turn the bots on. <laughs> they go out in hordes. Yeah, I don't think they're real people, which makes it even more frustrating because you're just like fighting yeah. an army of bots. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, I guess before it goes on too long, uh, good luck for the rest of the week and today. This is actually cool. Like, all, all of us on, huh? Yeah, like, it's the first time. Yeah, yeah. first Maybe. time in a while. In a while, we did once or twice, maybe just once. It was the first time in a long time. But yeah, it was really nice, really cool. Mm -hmm. Then, till next time. See you later, boys. See you guys. Good luck.